So this is back in the field, the Brooklyn Nine Nine podcast. Uh, <laughs> we finally... I'm, I'm your co-host Carl, and my name is Arthi. We're really glad to be back from our holiday break. So much so that we talked about not Brooklyn Nine Nine for a solid seven minutes. Well, we were talking about it longer, but we didn't have the mic on the whole damn time. Yeah, yeah, guys, it's been really awesome coming back this week. I really have. I'm glad we took. I'm glad we got any hiatus, Carl. Yeah, apparently uh, we're getting another hiatus in February. Which is weird. I can't even... I'm so mad about it. Ask me why I'm mad about it, Carl. Is it because of Sweeps Week? Yes. Well, Sweeps Month. February is traditionally Sweeps Month. Is it because Sweeps doesn't matter anymore? But that's the thing, though. This show has been really closely following traditional Sweeps patterns so far this season. It's really unusual for it to totally break character like this. Like, that's unexpected. Maybe they're trying to stick it to the man. I doubt that's what it is, given that it's a Murdoch network, but good try. Jokes aside, though, uh, I don't know why they're not airing in February. And in March, it's not a good idea. Aren't there basketball games on Sundays? I, I don't know. I don't know. I just did the Kanye shrug, so... Wait, does... Oh, basketball happens every day. Because there's a billion basketball games. Well, the NCAA tournament specifically is in oh. March. Um, that's why... Sure, I'm... but um, that won't be a scheduling conflict for Fox. Fox doesn't air NCAA. Right, but the thing is, like, isn't their target audience going to be watching those games? Maybe. I mean, I don't know about targeting audiences. So, anyway, we're glad to be back, and we'll be opening up our ass box by the time this goes to air, which is exciting for some of you, I'm sure. I feel like, I don't know, have you guys missed us? Tell us if you missed us. We'd love to hear. Please, we're so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Six Drink Amy? Yeah. Can we, let's start with that. She has a banister to to love. (laughs) Banisters are solid. Let's talk about how drunkenness doesn't work that way, though. Like. Okay. Because, like, I know I get louder if I get drunker, but it's not proportional to how many drinks I've had. What? One Drink Arthi isn't, like, One Drink Arthi is loud, but Drunk Arthi is loud. Not One Drink or Two Drink Arthi specifically. I mean, I think that as people get drunker, they, like, different levels of drunkenness do have different effects. Oh, 100%. I will say that it's not like turning a knob. Yeah. For one thing, (laughs) drinks aren't that standardized. Well, like, and also she clearly takes, like, a long break in the middle there. A three-hour break. After downing two shots at once. Yeah, she should how be... How fast you drink also determines how drunk you get. She should be... She should be one drink Amy after the wine. She had six drinks over the course of eight hours. Yeah, there's no way she was trashed, even a little bit. Like, I might survive having six drinks over the course of eight hours. Remember that time I... I try. Remember that time I had ten drinks in two and a half? I was not there for that. <laughs> Remember that time I was telling you about that time I had ten drinks in two and a half hours? I remember you telling me about that, but I would not be, want to be around that. <laughs> I was... So, that was not the time I got blackout drunk. That yeah, time... <laughs> but not being around someone who's blackout drunk is somewhere below my bar. But apparently I was 100% coherent while blackout drunk. Because I don't remember. But all my friends... Well, I did get... The last thing I remember before I blacked out was get like... This is a different time. So... So, the time I had ten drinks in two and a half hours, I never blacked out. I remember pretty much that entire night, except for, like, blurry patches where I was conscious, but I couldn't really see very well. But, the Welcome t- to our ass box! <laughs> but, 
the time I got blackout drunk was at my birthday party this past year, actually. And uh, I, I, we'd had like six glasses of wine in the, in the house, and then we went to the bar. And I remember we did shots, and I don't remember much after that. Why would you go to a bar after having six drinks? Because it was like 11 o'clock and we were out of alcohol, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it was midnight and we decided to go to the bar. And half my party went home and half my party went to the bar where we continued my birthday party. The bartenders gave us free shots because it was my home bar and it's my home base and they all know me. We don't like. I remember doing picklebacks with my friend, and then What's I ran into him. Uh, it's a shot of Jameson followed by a shot of pickled brine. That sounds horrific. <laughs> and then I I've met. I've never done a shot. I did a shot once. Not I met you. I did a shot. Yes, you did because That's it was the my only birthday. Shot I've ever done in my life. Because Kyle, you met me on my birthday not this last year, but the year not before. Not when you got blackout drunk. Yeah, but the year before that, I didn't when get I quite drunk the night I met you. You did. Which explains everything about this podcast. And it's amazing that I didn't get drunk that night because I was depressed as hell and trying to drown my sorrows anyway. Yeah, but then like we showed up. Yeah, y'all actually y'all showed up and it was the best. Mm-hmm. Like that was awesome. I'm so I made so many friends that night. Yeah. Yeah, actually. I went four of you, and all four of you are like my friends now. Was there a four? Wait, did you not know any of us? I knew Brita, but not the there rest. Was, there were three of us. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, there was Brita's I... co-host and my girlfriend. And you. Wasn't there one more girl, though? No. Oh. Am I making Wait. up someone? Oh, there was! Yeah, there was another person there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I remember... I, okay, so she's the only one I didn't keep in touch with. But the rest of us were all, like, good friends still. But yeah, so when I got... At this last time, I remember, oh, God, I was so trash. And I just remember, like, talking to my friend. You had a shot, and then yeah, pickle. Something. We did picklebacks, and then I remember, like, I don't remember anything until, like, I came to myself, came back to myself around 3 in the morning. And this was, like, around, like, midnight, midnight 30. But I remember at one point in between there, like, talking to my friend and, like, just, like, crying, like, while talking to him. And I was like, oh, no. And I remember why I was crying. I was crying because I was so alone. And, like... And so, bringing this all back, Six Drink Amy is really fucking trashed, Arthi. <laughs> it's a problem. I mean, alcohol is a depressant. <laughs> so, if you drink enough of it, you're likely to become depressed. Well, I find... Or dead. Uh, yes, that. I also find just with drinking in general, like, whatever, however you feel going into it is sort of how you are for a long period of time through your drunkenness. It'll it amplify. It, it really depends. That's like true. I've had, I've only had conventions where I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many people," and then I went to the bar and I had like a beer, and then I was like, "Oh, everything's fine, whatever." Numb the anxiety a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Like, it, like one drink in, you can just like click off your inhibitions enough to successfully network with human beings and to create a distributed network of consciousness called a professional community. No, but drunkenness doesn't work that way. And, uh, but I did like seeing Amy's stages of, like, I, uh, loud Amy was, was la- not around for very no, long, No, no, but pervy Amy is hilarious to me. Yes. I do like perv Amy. I like the idea of perv Amy and, like, Jake, like, making sex tape jokes at each other. Yeah, I feel like Jake would think that was funny for, like, a little while and then be weirded out by himself and leave. I will say that everyone sort of, just sort of shrugs and pl- or plays into Amy's drunkenness, but most... Like, Gina's doing... everyone's drunk. Yeah. Everyone's been is, drinking. Everyone's been drinking. And it's a different, like... That's a different situation. I do and like... you're talking about Gina for some reason? Well, I, I liked seeing Gina play into, like, Amy's, like, 
be like, yes, do it. Like her yes anding Amy at every turn. That was pretty awesome. I don't yeah. know. I like Gina and Amy's interaction this episode. Yeah. And obviously Gina's like doing it to goad Amy into like you know, her Sasquatch, I guess, as she calls it. It's nice seeing Gina be a good friend. And to Amy, who she's actually been kind of going after. Yeah, and she's gone after Amy in waves. And I think the reason for that is... Um, now kiss? I mean... <laughs> That's not directly where I was going to go with that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Finish your point. I mean, I read this as a very shifty episode for the two of them, but like (laughs) not my ship, but you know my ship. (laughs) But what I'm what what I'm thinking is that um, Gina often makes fun of Jake, but Jake's been such a good cop recently; has barely filed anything under banana, (laughs) and she would trash the hell out of Boyle. But she knows then she'd fuck him again. She's not ready for that. <laughs> and, like, she's kind of out of low-hanging fruit. The thing is, she likes all those people a lot. And, like, I think she teased them first. So, like, I feel like she's becoming closer friends to Amy at a, at a speed that alarms her. I like that. I do. I don't know. I just, I was, well, because we watched it, you you just finished it right before we started, and, you know, I was listening to it rather than watching it, and uh, she's like, I want you to drink this whole glass of water, and it gave me, like, flashbacks to taking care of my friends in college, because I was relatively well-behaved in college, and, you know, I, I was always taking care of my friends, and it just reminded me of, you know, all the really strong female friendships I made in college, because I was you know, nursing their drunk selves back to slightly more sober, not going to die in, in their sleep versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was a really, like, it was a it good... It was touching. Yeah, it was, it was touching and it was just a really good moment. It was like a good character beat for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, because I think, like, when we saw, when we saw Gina and Amy talking about Teddy way back... We see Amy being like, is everything okay? You never text me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, Amy's, like, drunky, like, the, the, it's the, it's that Tumblr post that goes around sometimes. It's like, be as kind to women as the drunk girls in the bathrooms are to each other. There's that, it's something to that effect. Where it's like, I haven't seen that one go across my dash. And also, I've never experienced drunk girls in a bathroom in my life. Because if that were happening, I would I would be a much worse version of myself. Anyway, point being, yeah, yeah. Um, what I was going to say was that uh, six drink Amy is, is shit faced Dorothy, <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's interesting that she tips over into sad because like because like that doesn't always happen. Yeah, like for me anyway. So like. You know, an in vino veritas is a thing. And she obviously, like, calms down and pulls herself back together. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, like, Amy's in a place where... I mean, of course her response isn't always, I'm so alone. But, but like... I mean, she did just break up yeah, with her. Yeah, she broke, up, she broke up with her, like, most of a year-long boyfriend, like, two weeks ago. Or a month. Or whatever. Right. Clearly, Amy's going to have a long rebound time. 
Yeah. Like... Even if she was the one doing the breaking up. Yeah, that barely mattered. I mean, it was messy. To say the least. And, like, it was messy and, like, it got entangled with Jake in a way that it's not gonna be easy to come back from because, like, he's a reminder both of the breakup and of the attraction. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's at this party where the only person giving her any positive attention is Gina. And she thinks that's because Gina doesn't like her. Of course she's going to feel that way. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, she... she, And it's probably prompted by the fact that, like, she got to this magical six-drink plateau that she didn't know was a thing that had been built up for her by Gina. And it's not a magical transformation into someone who's worthy of love. It's just she's drunker and closer to, like, in a healthy point that she doesn't normally let herself get to. That's not fun. Um, also, she just came down some stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and got removed from a situation where she was being really confident by Jake. I, yeah, that was really weird. And also, I think, I kind of wish we could have seen what Holt would have said to her about the 40% raise in promotion. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Deep Shadows and that Tumblr post about, um, what the hell is up with the timeline? Two years she's been carrying the precinct? You'd think if it was, like, according to the Junior Time Games, to be six. Maybe she was just better in the last two years. Honestly, I was actually thinking about this. I... We know that it was around this time last year that the bet finished its one-year run. I bet I would be willing to wager that she, like, she was sort of coasting under McGinley because everyone was coasting under McGinley. Yeah. And the bet ramped... I think the bet changed everything for the entire precinct, not just Jake and Amy. Yeah, maybe. I also think it might be the case that she, like, two years ago she decided to pick herself up and, like, be a good enough detective to transfer out from under McGinley. Mm-hmm. And that's what precipitated the bet. Because she started challenging Jake's record. You know what? And suddenly she was, like, as good as him. You know what? That would explain the... Because we enter the bet... We enter that flashback to when they set the bet in Medius Res. Yeah, we don't know what actually caused that. And I would bet you're right. I bet I mean, she I mean, I think it's actually Gina. But, like... Like, well, Gina was stirring the pot regardless of what was happening. But I bet you're right. She was starting to challenge Jake uh, and his, like, constant just, like, ego everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I would be willing to get, I would be willing to bet that. I would, I would put money on that. Okay. I loved, I don't know if we included it in the last podcast, but I know we talked about it, which was that you could see a bet happening again at any given time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would, I would. I I don't know if. I don't know if Holt would really. Let that fire up again, but no, he totally would. He totally would. Yeah, he he like planned for a bet for a year. And so, it was yes. three three months ahead of Jake at the point of the bet being set. Yeah, he anticipated the bet being set again. Yeah. Yeah, but I I would I would love to see that. I would love to see the bet, too, I guess. Anyway, I was going to say, though, we were talking earlier on chat that she asked for a 40% raise and a promotion, meaning she would go from detective third grade, presumably, to detective second grade, presumably. Which, by the way, is a purely, like, 
It's it's more about bragging rights than any real power shift. So it's an in-place promotion. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it does come with a mild salary bump. Not a 40% salary bump. No, which was asking for a lot, but strong want, negotiation tactic. I want a 40% salary bump. I want a 40% salary bump, and I don't even need a 40% salary bump, but I, that sounds I, amazing. I need a 40% salary bump. Yeah, actually, bump. I should probably not say that. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's especially strong considering that she's completely drunk at the time. I can't <laughs> really think about numbers. But you know what, though? I think, I think she would have... I think I think getting to confident inhibitions lowered Amy is really good for her. We saw so okay, so when I was reading the A V Club review and I was saying this to you earlier, that um we I had anticipated originally that the last episode in December would be the Pontiac Bandit returns. Right. And and I think the I think they shoehorn in stakeout late in the game. Because there's there's nothing even remotely wintry about stakeout, let alone Christmas Eve. It's cold, but that's... I mean, there's space heaters everywhere, yes, but there's, there's like, they're at a fucking beach, and it's, like, cold as balls out, apparently, in this episode, too. In fact, he yeah. explicitly says it's the middle of winter. Oh, and stakeout. There's nothing wintry about stakeout. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. There's space heaters in that abandoned building that they're, cra- like, yeah. staking out in. What, what might have happened is that they expected to be bumped one week because of football, but that never happened. But it's so far back they probably didn't have to plan for that. No. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I then... remember you freaking out about the time slot being so near football, back when they announced the shift to Sundays. Yeah, I remember being like frowny face about that. Yeah. Yeah, but what I was gonna say was they added stakeout in December, and I think stakeout was supposed to be the episode that would have aired this week. And at the end of stakeout, Amy says to Terry, "I." You know, the way I was being assertive, like, she doesn't say this explicitly, but she's like, you know, the way I was being assertive wasn't appropriate, but I do think I need to be more assertive. And then in this episode, you know, uninhibited, you know, hyper-confident Amy says, I want a 40% raise and a promotion. Now, admittedly, she can't be a, a detective sergeant without taking her test. Um, Holt can't just give her the title of sergeant as much as I'm sure she would love him to do that. Um, but she, he can upgrade her from detective third grade to detective second grade. Right. And her getting that before Jake would actually be kind of a coup. Yeah. I, I mean, so if this is a prestige-driven promotion in place thing, then probably the reason Jake is still detective third grade is that McGinley didn't give a fuck and wasn't going to promote anyone. And also, he probably he does have a bunch. So his ribbons, right? A bunch yeah. of a couple of his ribbons are meritorious service. Um, I think he has like a ten or a twelve time. Like you, when you get more meritorious services, instead of putting the same ribbon on you like eight times, they add a number on the ribbon. Okay. And uh, Jake's is like twelve, and Amy's is like six. Um, Jake has a pistol cert as opposed to Amy, who doesn't. Um, which is just more trivia than actual like relevant to this conversation, but like. I it would be kind of a coup that the the grade rankings is usually it's prestige as well as like tenure, from what I understand. So you're less likely to be fired if you're second grade. No, 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 not like ten tenure. Oh, tenure time on the force. And place. Yeah. Okay. So and regardless of what the fuck Amy's timeline is with the force, Jake is Jake and Jake Rosa. Jake is more senior. Jake, Jake and, and Rosa, Rosa are both more senior, which is why we see Rosa rolling her eyes. Because, like, Rosa is the 
a hotshot detective who never bragged about her accomplishments mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Like the closest she got was say like saying in complete surprise and relief how well her task force did. But she doesn't seek glory. She just wants to beat people up. And Jake brags about every small victory, and Amy seeks approval for every small victory. Yeah. So they get way more attention when they do well than Rosa does. They seek out more attention when yeah. they do well. Like, we didn't see Rosa's performance assessment. I know, and I kind of wish we had. But, Her like, she wouldn't have made a big deal about it. Nah. So it wouldn't have been good TV. It honestly would have just been her and Holt sitting in office quietly together. And it would be like, uh... And, and then, then it, he'd be like, put assessment over, and she'd be like, yep. And then she'd leave. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be like, good talk, That would have been good television. Good mini-third. <laughs> a webisode. Webisodes, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Eats. Webinar. <laughs> no, webinars are the worst. I have to host those for my day job. So, so, but I did... One of the things I thought you said that was really interesting when we were talking about this earlier is... um. That uh, it was a nice sort of moment because so often women are conditioned to not ask for promotions and raises and stuff like that. Yeah, it's one of the factors driving um, the... It's one of the environmental factors that isn't directly the result of men being massive dicks that drives the... um, Pay gap. The pay gap. Between men and women. Yeah. Uh, women are much less likely to ask for promotions or raises. Um, and their raises are less likely to happen unprompted. P.S. Boyle's wife... I don't remember how, but... Boyle's wife is clearly way out of his league. They own a beach house. True. Like... Did they split in the divorce? So I think it might be that Boyle used to have pretty significant savings and they got wiped out in the divorce. That would make sense. Although his wife pays him alimony, which doesn't work. Well, I I don't necessarily mean they got wiped out in the divorce. I mean they got invested in a bunch of um, unportable property that is now split between the two of them, so he gets none of the benefits of them. Like, he owns half this beach house. Yeah. I mean, he gets three he months. Wouldn't, he wouldn't own half this beach house if he didn't have capital invested in it. Yeah, that is true. Or they're like... And he can't afford the fucking beach house. I don't... I, either... I, I actually... I mean, I see what you're saying. I don't agree. I think maybe Boyle married out of his league. Maybe. I mean, he owns half of it, but, like, if they didn't have a prenup, he's entitled... And however long... It depends. Two two things, right? What was their prenuptial agreement, and how long were they married? If they were married for more than... I think it's two years in New York State, you are entitled... Like, it's considered, like, you're entitled to 50% of all assets. Oh. It's no five idea. years in California. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> if it's too short of a marriage, right? You're not. You can't. You can't realistically argue for fifty percent. Right. But the common law marriage rules also apply. How long were you cohabitating? How like combined were your finances? Things like that. Regardless of your like actual marriage state. So in this case, I actually suspect Boyle probably married out of his league, and that's why his wife manages to browbeat him into all these like really strange. Like, Boyle is a people pleaser. Yes, he will do that. But we've also seen Boyle, when cornered, like, actually build a spine for himself. Yeah. You know? In this regard, with his ex-wife, who seems like kind of a dick, like... She did take the handle out of the door after locking it. (laughs) 
she, she seems really controlling. She she does not seem like she gives many fucks about Boyle's emotional state. No, and that's perfectly fine. Your ex is your ex, right? Yeah. But like he lives in her basement. Like yeah. he's her tenant. They got she married Hercules. Like and she invited her ex husband to the wedding. Yeah. And like there's there's so many so much weirdness there. Like, are they friends? Is she trying to rub it in his face? Does she really need to? <laughs> Just call her mom. Not consciously. Not consciously. <laughs> um, His shirt is not a good choice. And I know because baseball tee? Boyle and I have vaguely similar body types and I've wanted that shirt to work for me and it never has. The baseball tee? Yeah. I don't look super cute in baseball tees either. Baseball tees are not flattering unless you have a pretty toned body. You've got to have a baseball body. Yeah, and baseball bodies are really slim. Yeah. Um, and wiry, for some reason. So, okay, going back, I, I was making fun of you earlier about, like, the Gina-Amy ship, but, like, honestly, there's... Gina-Amy's a good ship. They touched hands. That is more than... That is more. Yeah. That's more than, like, any... That's further than Amy's gotten with anybody on this show. Honestly? <laughs> Even her boyfriend, we hardly ever saw them, like, touching. Yeah. I was thinking about that, like... I mean, he, he she did put him in, like, a submission arm hold. <laughs> and he does, I think he has, they have their arms around each other's, like, waist at one point. Uh, yeah, like, he has his arm across her shoulder and stuff. Like, they, they do touch sometimes. Jake and Sophia are way more tactile. Yeah. That's true. Makes me happy. Teddy's not really a sweep everything off the desk kind of guy. That was <laughs> that was I, so great. I have to say, Agent Carter is even further lowered my opinions of Teddy, whatever his last name is. <laughs> Detective Thumbface, Teddy Thumbface. Wells is his name. Oh, and uh, Kyle Bornheimer. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Kyle Bornheimer. I don't remember. I don't think I know the name of his character on Agent Carter. Thumbface. But I'm hoping he isn't around long enough for me to have to find out. Agent Thumbface. He's the worst. His character's the worst. Honestly... He has mustard on his goddamn shirt. <sighs> Sloppy bastard. Yeah. Um, But, like, uh, Gina Name is a pretty good ship. There's, like, a good, like, kind of, like, that rivalry... That same, like... Honestly, they would have sex for the same reason she had sex with Boyle. In fact, <laughs> that's how you forget your ex. With meaning <laughs> it rhymes because it's true. It's happening again. <laughs> Round two. You know that if I say this happens, it happens, Tumblr. We have a bad habit of predicting the show. Yeah. Well, or a good habit. All I'm saying is that if Gina and Amy sails, I get a second conductor hat. <laughs> yes. My, can we talk about my ship? You called me a deviant. I did call you a deviant. They're about here. Why? I one hundred percent. I was like Carl. There's no ships in this episode, and you, Carl, you said it. Well, there's fodder for yours, and I realized you meant my Jake Holt ship. Yep. And you're right. There is fodder for mine. Can we? I actually. So seriously. Yeah. That scene was so good in Wait, the hot tub. You're gonna have to be. Oh right. So I think that that every interaction that Jake has with Holt is is really worth cherishing in this episode. This the hot tub was especially good. Especially this the um the staging at the beginning. Every time I see the red solo cup floating across, I'm like, that is a fucking classic piece of cinematography. <laughs> and maybe it's just a blue and the red. I mean, we've all known about this since Drive. 
just an excellent use of colors and lighting and and basically just floating heads. I was going to say, because they're so limited with, like, what part of their bodies they could use, like, both of them are extraordinarily expressive. And also because, like, their faces are lit in very peculiar ways. It gives you... It gives you a really different perspective on them. It was just also really nice, like... I feel like, especially for, like, several episodes leading up to this one, they were leaning really hard into the man-child aspect of Jake's personality. Like, I complained about it in Lockdown, and I complained about it in, um... Stakeout? Yeah, a little bit in that one. But one of the ones in between as well. Pontiac Bandit. Pontiac Bandit. Yeah. I definitely complained about it in that one, where they, like, really lean hard into that. Jake is usually the more mature party in this episode. Like, he's more mature than Terry in this episode. Well, vacation Terry. Accidentally. Well, I mean, semi-vacation Terry. <laughs> yes. Va- vacation Terry is the one who breaks the plan breakdown. He decided to go down and selfishly have a thing of schnapps instead of, like, doing his, his role in the circuit, which, terrible and cruel idea on Jake's part, but, like, you know. God, and, like, it struck me, that when I watched it the second time, it struck me just how hurtful the second party was. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucked up. So many levels of fucked up. Yeah. But, like, and it's just, it, you know, it it was, like, all the worst parts of, like, Holt's personal history just, like, back again, you know? Well, there is no aspect of homophobia, I think. No, no, but... It is that threat and, like... But, like, more like... You know, he's, like, there's probably some part of him that's waiting for him to, for that shoe to drop in this precinct. Yeah, well, because you know when how, how you're conditioned, that doesn't go away, yeah. right? I was gonna, what I was gonna say was like, it's it's not even necessarily the homophobia aspect so much as the constant othering. Yeah, like he says, he says in the in the episode about Aglinikpa, he says the joke is the hardest part about being a black gay detective in the New York City Police Department, the discrimination. Yeah, and it's like. Everyone laughs, and most people are like, what? And it's like, well, he's making a joke about being othered. It's true that, like, all the people who go what are Gina. And Jake. And Jake. Like, I mean, the other time... Wait, was Jake there? No, you're right. Gina goes what? That that reaction has happened elsewhere, but now thinking back on that moment is because Gina doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 100% what it is. Like, how is this funny? She doesn't give a fuck. Nah, but, like, it is about... It, the, the the inherent punchline is othering, right? And yeah. so you have a second party that a person is, like, explicitly not supposed to be at. And Scully's down there? Yeah. Scully. Othering. They brought P.S. Scully. Other, P.S. Scully is wearing a poultry apron the entire episode. Wait, he is? I didn't notice that. That uh, he, I noticed it when Amy says, uh, it's not a party unless there's four people, and between the sheets, and she takes Scully's hand and high five sound effects it. And um, that's when I first noticed his, he's wearing an apron that's just all poultry. It's like, it's like, it's like a chicken, and then it's like a turkey, and like, it, it's all poultry and like okay. just naming poultry. I think it might even be in French. That language I don't believe exists. Poulet. <laughs> Le poulet. Yeah. But uh, but uh, that con- going back that conversation in that hot tub was really touching and like it was it brought back the version of Jake I like the most. Yeah. The grown up like sort of has some perspective. The the same Jake who punched out Jimmy Brogan for calling 
hold to homo. Yeah, this is the Jake who won't leave anyone behind. This is the same Jake who showed up in Kevin's office and said, I understand why you don't like cops. Yeah. And I like that Jake. Yeah. And I liked seeing that Jake again because he's been gone for five episodes. Slash, like, two months in my life, right? So, I like that Jake. And I I like seeing that he can be that person without losing... Because it's also like, I mean, yes, he set up the second party, but he was under so much pressure from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to do something that was probably the right thing to do. Right? Like, not smart, but good. It's not because he was being a terrible person, which is how he usually gets himself into situations where he has to be this guy. It's because, like,. His best intentions put him above his coworkers, who brought him down to their level. Mm-hmm. Which is the number one threat of being a police officer. P.S. Bringing it back. You can cut that if you want. No, I won't because there's no need to. We've been open about our feelings. Um, I was going to say though, like he's got this really. Sandberg has this really lovely, earnest expression the entire time. He, uh, Jake and Holt are speaking in the hot tub, and and it's like you know, it, it basically it's like it's not when he says it's it's not about you personally. We all love you, and it was like oh, like there's just this nice that there every and I'm surprised that scene hasn't been gift to death because it's so nice, you know, like what a lovely scene. Mm-hmm. Just I can't I don't know and I, and the ending when he's like and I meant it and I <laughs> laughed. So hard. Yeah. But it was just such a nice moment. And it you know actually what it reminds me of? Because because when I when we talked about we just mentioned that Lakshmi Syndrome co wrote this episode, that scene in the car with Rosa and Amy from Sal's Pizza, aka one of the other episodes she's written. Yeah. Where she says it it reminded me of that and also the scene where Jake's like where he meant he's like uh when he talked about his dad and hoping like that was not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's some nice, but specifically the Amy and Rosa one, you know, which is like, you're saying you got my back? Like, that. That's also, that's the same kind of uh, crowing contentment that Amy displays when Gina shows that she cares about her. Yeah. Lakshmi Syndrome is clearly interested in um, making all that happen. I'm, you know, I... I can't say I hate... I don't like... I, I will Keep not, on doing it. Yeah, girl. <laughs> Is there... Was there... Any, that ending game was also... Uh, did you see Terry's face when Jake was like, he said it at Terry's kid's birthday party? I did not. Terry's like, what? <laughs> this beautiful, like, angry, upset face. And before Terry can k- say anything else, Holt's like, let's do another one. <laughs> I was like, oh, I see what happened there. Okay, remember remember when we did the word road trip and we were talking about how everyone is acting all through the scene and like 100%? That I noticed that happening in this episode one other time. Well, specifically when Amy when when Gina recaps drink Amy, mm-hmm. like and drink Amy. Yeah. And first of all, Amy gets increasingly disheveled as the night wears on. Um, but second of all, every scene that Amy is like doing things like, in the flashback, Rosa is within three feet of her being like, oh, God, what are you going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> when she does the thing with the olive, 
You can't see Stephanie Beatrice's face, but I can only imagine that she's, like, barely keeping it together. Because, like, if... <laughs> it was just so... It was unnecessarily hilarious. I don't know why. I think we should wrap up. I think that's everything I wanted to talk about, Carl. There's many more amazing things in this episode, but, uh... We've been going at this a long time, so if there's something that we didn't cover, let us know in our asks, and I don't know what happens then. Um. Carl's done. This is super fun, you guys. It's great to be back. We look forward to seeing you next week, and send us asks with anything you want us to cover, like Carl said. Also, I'm going to tease this now. We have something really cool coming up for you guys in the time. <laughs> week after next. The week after next. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, or an ear out. Ah ha ha! <laughs> You'll probably find it with your eyes. <laughs> we are so bad at this. I'm glad I'm editing it. Thanks, you guys, for listening, and we will be back next week. My name is Arthi. I'm Carl. And ciao. Are oh, you living Italian now? <laughs>